Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 13. We are going to continue our message about the whole armor of God this morning. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13, it reads, Therefore take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So that's what we're talking about this morning. Shotting our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And let me tell you, as I got ready to do this sermon, I really wish it just said sandals with peace and it was a little easier to read and decipher, but there's a lot of layers to this verse that Paul writes about. To shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So we're going to break it down this morning. We're going to look at what exactly he's talking about here. The first is the sandals, right? We know he's talking about the sandals. We know he's talking about protecting our feet. And as we look at each part of this whole armor of God and we try to figure out why Paul uses the language that he does, why he uses the metaphors that he does about the armor, we have to understand about the importance of sandals, about what it means to, to shod your feet and protect our soles of our feet. You see, sandals, they don't just protect the foot. They allow you to go places you couldn't go barefoot. There are places in my own yard I don't want to go barefoot because I'll end up with stickers all up and down my, my feet. But the sandals, they allow the soldiers to go places in battle, to be able to stand places where their bare feet would not allow them. Right? It allows them to travel great distances without having blisters on their feet. Sandals prepared us to, to go places. And we're in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13, as we read through the whole armor of God. And when we look at this scripture, when we look at what it means, we have to understand that Paul is pulling from, from a lot of, of writings, from a lot of literature. When Paul became a Christian, when Paul met Jesus in the road, he didn't just take that moment and build off of that. No, Paul went back through and he read through the prophecies and he read through the books and all the works that were written about Jesus and about the Messiah. And we see this because in so many of his letters, he refers to verses and refers to writings from, from long ago. And so we know that Paul is not only spreading the message of the gospel, but he is also reading back 
so that he knows what information there is describing the Messiah. But Paul uses similar language in Romans chapter 10. We have to understand that Paul's mission is global outreach, right? His mission in life is spreading the gospel as far as he can, getting the message of Christ out to as many ears as will listen. And so for him, the ability to go places, the ability to carry the gospel with him is important. Romans chapter 10, verse 14, it reads, How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. So what Paul is writing about here is a pretty simple idea. Our mission in the spiritual battle that we fight is to win souls for Christ, right? That's what we talked about weeks ago. Our our purpose is in recruiting more and more people to this side of the good fight. That we shouldn't wish harm against our enemies, but to pray for them, that they can come closer to Christ. And so Paul, he writes so much about the importance of making disciples of all nations. He says, no one can know about the love of Christ if they are not told about the love of Christ. And we see this when he visits Rome and he sees these statues to the God and the temple of the unknown God, right? And he says, you know, you're praying to this unknown God and I'm here to tell you that the unknown God is the living God of Abraham. It's Jesus Christ. It's our Lord and Savior. So Paul knows that what happens is if people don't learn about Jesus Christ, they're going to attribute all the good things in their life to the gods that they worship. So when they see things and they see power and they see blessings, they are going to attribute those to the temples and to the idols that they created and not to God. Not unless someone tells them about God. And he says, and how are they going to hear this without a preacher? And how are they going to have a preacher unless someone goes to them? And so, as he writes here, we understand that the sandals of the gospel of peace is all about the mission work of the Christian. About sharing the message. About sharing the gospel. About, about spreading the good news. And so, he's, he's writing about these things. He's writing about why it's so important for us to, to go out into the world and tell the world about the things that Jesus has done. In verse 16 it continues, But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed in our rapport, so then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, indeed, their sound has gone out to all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. But I say, did Israel not know? First Moses says, I will provoke you to jealousy, by those who are not a nation. I will move you to anger by a foolish nation. But Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I was made manifest to those who did not ask for me. But to Israel he says, 
All day long I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. He's explaining the fact that over the centuries, nothing really has changed. That people are still defiant, that people are still arrogant, that people still want to believe in what they believe in, no matter how contrary it is. But there's something interesting about the words that Paul uses in Ephesians. He says, "...to shod your feet, not with the gospel of peace, but the preparation of the gospel of peace." That Bible is full of a lot of verses. And I would imagine that you could not find on this planet today two people who agree with the interpretation of every single verse in it. That even if you get two people who are as like-minded as possible and they sit down and they agree that, oh, this verse means this and this verse means this, not two people are going to interpret the Bible the same. Because it's a living, breathing document, right? Because it speaks to us in how we need it to speak to us. That is its power. That is why it is set apart as a holy and sacred book. Because what I read is different from what you read. And that can make my messages difficult some Sundays when I have to figure out whether this is something just I am interpreting that's speaking to me or if this is something I need to share. But what it's getting at is he doesn't say go out there and and share the gospel. He says go out there and prepare them for the gospel. Why? Well, for the same reason that we had John the Baptist who had to lead the way for the Messiah, who had to get people's hearts in the right mindset for receiving the Messiah. Our job is not to give people the gospel, it's to make them want the gospel. When I was in college, I remember the Gideons would come, and you know I'm a big fan of the Gideons, we have them here just about every year, but they would come and they'd hand out the little Bibles to all the students. And I imagine that the majority of them take them home and stick them somewhere, set them on, if they even make it home, right? And they never touch it because they're not ready to receive it because they're not interested in what it has to say. Our job is to make people want to read the Scriptures. Our job is to prepare them to receive the Gospel. To have them curious about what it has to say. To have them curious about how we get so much strength from printed ink on paper. To have them want to know Jesus. The preparation. That's a big part of the the sandals of the gospel of peace is the preparation. It's being able to go out into the world in in some hard places for us to be. Right, I can be barefoot in my own home because it's comfortable, because it's not, there's no dangers to my, to my feet. But if I'm going to go out into the world or if I'm going to tread in, in dangerous places, I'm going to have to make sure I've got shoes on. And anybody that's worked you know, industry, you have to wear steel-toed boots 
with steel shanks because you got to protect your feet from all the dangers of the world. And that's what he's saying about these sandals, right? Is, is that we have to be ready to go places and take the Scripture places that's not comfortable for us. But when we do so, we have to be there to prepare the way for the Gospel. Not just to hand it out, not just to quote it, but to, but to get hearts and minds ready to receive it. And not just quoting the Bible, but in telling the story of what Jesus has done in our own lives. But he says something interesting about the gospel. He calls it the gospel of peace. (laughs) He says to prepare the preparation of the gospel of peace. And he says this just a few verses after he claims... That we are at war against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness and that we are, we are going to fight this battle and this is a war that we are in and, and he's talking about swords and shields and helmets and, and all these evil things that we are fighting against. And then he says the word peace. Even though we know in Matthew chapter 10.34, he says, I have not come to bring peace but a sword. So what does the gospel of peace mean? What does it mean to look at the gospel, to think about peace when so much of what we're reading about is talking about war? Well, in Romans, he quotes Isaiah time and time and time again. So that's where we're going to go for our third verse this morning. Isaiah chapter 52. Now, my study Bible here, it says that Isaiah was the greatest of the writing prophets. And when you read through the book of Isaiah, you notice that the prophecies that he writes about are not particular just to Jerusalem or Judah or the Hebrew people. Isaiah's prophecies, they, they are fully comprehensive. He prophesizes about not just the nation of Israel, but the world, the Messiah, and the end times. The prophecies of Isaiah are are brilliantly written. And he knows so much about what is to come. And Paul quotes him quite a bit in his letters, not just to the Romans, but to the Ephesians as well. And we're going to look at what he's quoting. And keep in mind that Isaiah, he lived and wrote approximately 700 years before the life of Christ. This is a long time before Jesus walked the earth, and a longer time still from when Paul was sharing these messages of the gospel. But in Isaiah chapter 52, verse 4, it reads, For thus says the Lord God, My people went down at first into Egypt to dwell there. Then the Assyrian oppressed them without cause. Now therefore what I have here, says the Lord, that my people are taken away for nothing. Those who rule over them make them well says the Lord. And my name is blasphemed continually every day. Therefore my people shall know my name. Therefore they shall know in that day that I am he who speaks. Behold, it is I. So this is Isaiah quoting the Lord God and he's saying, look, my people have been oppressed time and time and time again, but they still blaspheme me. They are still ignorant and arrogant in their ways, but they shall know who I am. 
Verse 7, it continues, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of Him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, Your God reigns. Your watchmen shall lift up their voices. With their voices they shall sing together, for they shall see eye to eye when the Lord brings back Zion. Listen to what Isaiah writes hundreds of years before Paul writes that letter to the Ephesians. It says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of Him who brings good news and proclaims peace. How beautiful are the feet. Do you think you see now why he claims that it's the sandals that are the preparation of the gospel of peace? But what kind of peace are we talking about? We know that it's not a spiritual peace because spiritually we're at war. We're at war against Satan, against the dark forces, against the world itself that is trying so hard to distract us from our salvation. But as we talked about last week about righteousness, there's a certain peace that comes to knowing that you're fighting for the right thing. That even when you are in the midst of battle, there can still be a peace to your mind. My mom loved uh, martial arts movies. and She had a bunch of them when I was growing up, so I got to see a lot of them. And so many of these martial arts movies, there's the old wise kung fu master. Right, and he sits back and he's usually gray haired, long, long beard, and they're fighting all around him. And all these martial artists are jumping and, and then there's the moment where he steps stands up from his seat and he unleashes the fury of all his wisdom in the martial arts and he just destroys everybody in the room. But what's interesting about this old the old wise kung fu master when you watch him fight in these movies, is that he's always portrayed as, even in the middle of fighting, a room full of ninjas or whatever, he's calm. You don't see any rage on his face. You don't see any fear. He is perfectly at peace, even as he strikes out each blow. And in those old martial arts movies, they always portray the young trainee, protege, whatever, the young guy who's trying to learn the ways as being this brash, emotional person who's always so full of anger and and wants to fight and, and he's always so angry every time you see him. And I think there's a reason for this, right? Because we know that when we fight and we know that we are competent in what we're fighting and how we're fighting, when we know that we are fighting for the right things, there is a peace to our emotions, That when we fight these spiritual battles, we're not fighting it from a lens of of fear or hatred. That we're fighting because of what we believe in, because we have that breastplate of righteousness. And we know that what we are fighting for is the right thing, the good thing. That we don't have to be afraid of losing because we know God is behind us. That we are not fighting from a place of hate because we have the love of God in our hearts. The gospel of peace is not saying that we're not going to have to fight fights. The gospel of peace is about knowing that we can be 
calm in knowing where our future lies and knowing what waits our souls. That there is no question about what will happen to us when we die. That we are at peace with what is to come. That no matter how hard we have to fight the battles of our lives, that ultimately we can sit back and trust in God. That everything is going to be okay. Think to the war movies, right? And they show the, the ship is taking on water and the crew's running around panicked, right? And they're, they're terrified and they're asking the captain, Captain, what do we do? What do we do? And the captain, no matter what happens to the ship, he's always portrayed as being at peace. He sits there, hand on the, what do you call it? The wheel. I know it's not the word for it, but at the helm. And he's just contemplating what's next. And he doesn't allow his emotions to get the best of him. He's not, he's not making decisions based out of fear or hatred or anything. He's making decisions out of a logical, sound mind, out of a peaceful mind. He's not allowing himself to get overwhelmed with the chaos of the world. Even in everything that's happening around him, he's able to stay at peace in his mind as he makes the right choices. How many of us have gone into a conversation or an argument with someone else and and we've rehearsed this conversation a thousand times in our mind before we come into it. But the second those emotions get up, the second we start getting angry, we start getting upset, we lose track of what we were going to say, we lose track of our logic, we start saying things that don't really apply to the situation. We say things we don't mean. We say things we would never say if we would have just been at peace in the conversation in the first place. How many of us have been guilty of throwing a punch a little too quickly, whether it's a physical punch or an emotional one. How many of us have been quick to wrath, quick to anger? Think with our fists. There's not a lot of peace there when we're so quick to, to, to jump into the fray. These, these wise kung fu masters of the movies, right? They, they show them as always last possible option. They don't get up and they don't join into the battle unless it is absolutely necessary. That's when they stand up. They could have ended the fight at any point. They know they've got the skill, but they are not going to fight unless it is the last absolute option. And there is a peace to that. We, as Christian soldiers have to understand that that the goal is peace. The goal for the Christian life is a sinless life, to live like Jesus. We know it's impossible, right? Each and every one of us, we're not, we're not so foolish to think that we can one day actually live like Christ. We know that we are always going to have struggles, that we are never going to be without sin. But we also know that there's an incredible amount of joy and satisfaction to trying to attempting that life. Alright, even the most fit people out there who eat the healthiest foods, they still have that cheat meal where they get to get some, some sweets or, or cheat on their diet. They know that there's room for error. 
they know that there can't be perfect. There has to be some room. So, so even as we as Christians, we, we strive towards a Christ-like life, we have to be at peace in knowing that while it is the goal, while peace is the goal of the spiritual battle, it doesn't necessarily mean we ourselves are ever going to get there. But that doesn't mean that, that we can't fight that fight. To shod our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace is to be able to go out into the world to share the gospel with other people, to prepare them to receive God's word and to do so with peace in our hearts. But unfortunately, so many Christians, they they preach the gospel from an emotional place. They get heated up. They get upset. They get angry. And they start sharing the message through angry tongues and words. See, God wants us to be at peace with who we are as Christians. Not to be worried, not to be afraid, not to be full of of hatred or doubt, but to be happy with what Christ did for us. But to be sure in the God that we serve that when we go into battle against the dark forces of this world, we know that we will be victorious. That we don't have the doubts in our hearts. That we are not afraid of, of what we face. Because when we have God behind us, when we are strengthened by Christ, we can do all things. We can slay all demons. We can overcome any evil that comes our way. But we have to be sure of where that power comes from. And when we are sure, when we know with 100% certainty that it is God who guides our footsteps, we can be at peace. And we can share that peace with others wherever God leads us. Let us pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just ask that You you prepare us, Lord. Lord God, that You shod our feet with the preparation of the Gospel of peace. That You make each and every one of us in this room today a disciple of You, a preacher of Your Word, a missionary of Your works. Lord God, that even if this means simply talking more about Jesus, even if this means living a life that makes people wonder where we find our our mindset, where we find our strong will, our peace in this chaotic world, that, Lord God, it is our job to win souls for Christ, to make people curious about the Gospel, to prepare them to receive the Word of Christ. Lord God, we just ask that You strengthen us in our spiritual battles, Lord, that You guide us in our paths, that you lead us where we should be led. Lord, we pray that you forgive us for our many sins and give us the strength to forgive others and to love others as Christ so loved us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Harridge Sermons. If you feel led to donate to my message or to this show, I ask that you simply donate your time or money to a local food pantry, charity, or mission.
if you ever find yourself in southwest Arkansas, feel free to visit. We'd love to have you. You can find us at the Ben Loman Cumberland Presbyterian Church at 10 a.m. or the Brownstown Community Church at 11. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'd love to see you. Thank you.